0: Thanks so much for your listenership and support. Good evening. Tonight, I'll be reading The Merry Adventures of Robin Hood, Alan Dale, by Howard Pyle. So let your eyes fall heavy. And your breath soften. As we settle in. For a peaceful night's sleep. Robin Hood and Alan Dale. It has just been told how three unlucky adventures fell upon Robin Hood and Little John, all in one day, bringing them sore ribs and aching bones. So next we will tell how they made up for those ill happenings by a good action that came about not without some small pain to Robin, Two days had passed by, and somewhat of the soreness had passed away from Robin's joints. Yet still, when he moved of a sudden and without thinking, pain here and there would, as it were, jog him, crying, "'Thou hast had a drubbing, good fellow,' The day was bright and jocund and the morning dew still lay upon the grass. Under the greenwood tree sat Robin Hood. On one side was Will Scarlet, lying at full length upon his back, gazing up into the clear sky with hands clasped behind his head. Upon the other side sat little John, fashioning a cuddle out of a stout crab tree limb. Elsewhere upon the grass sat or lay many others of the band. By the faith of my heart, quoth Mary Robin, I do bethink me that we have had not one to dine with us for this long time. Our money groweth low in the purse, for no one hath come to pay a reckoning for many a day. Now busk thee, good Stutley, and choose thee six men, and get thee gone to Fosway or thereabouts and see that thou bringest someone to eat with us this evening. Meantime, we will prepare a grand feast to do whosoever may come the greater honour. And stay, good Stutley, I would have thee take Will Scarlet with thee, for it is meet that he should become acquaint with the ways of the forest. Now do I thank thee, good master, quoth Stutley, springing to his feet, that thou hast chosen me for this adventure. Truly, my limbs do grow slack through abiding idly here, as for two of my six, I will choose Midge, the miller, and Arthur a planned, for, as well thou knowest, good master, they are stout fists at the quarterstaff. It is not so, little John. At this all laughed but little John and Robin, who twisted up his face I can speak for Midge, said he, and likewise for my cousin Scarlet. this very blessed morn, I looked at my ribs and found them as many colors as a beggar's cloak. So, having chosen four more stout fellows, will Stutley and his band set forth to Fosse Way, to find whether they might not come across some rich guest to feast that day in Sherwood with Robin and his band. For all the live-long day, they abided near this highway. Each man had brought with him a good store of cold meat and a bottle of stout, March beer to stay his stomach till the homecoming so when high noontide had come they sat them down upon the soft grass beneath the green and wide spreading hawthorn bush and held a hearty and jovial feast after this one kept watch while the others napped, for it was a still and sultry day. Thus they passed the time pleasantly Now, but no guest such as they desired showed his face in all the time that they lay hidden there. Many passed along the dusty road in the glare of the sun. Now it was a bevy of chattering damsels, merrily tripping along. Now it was a plodding tinker, now a merry shepherd lad, now a sturdy farmer, all gazing ahead. Along the road, unconscious of the seven stout fellows lay hidden so near them. Such were the travellers along the way, but fat abbot, rich esquire, or money laden usurer came there none. At last, The sun began to sink low in the heavens, the light grew red and the shadows long. The air grew full of silence, the birds twittered sleepily, and from afar came, faint and clear, the musical song of the milkmaid, calling the kin home to the milking then stuck the arose from where he was lying. A plague of such ill luck, quoth he, here have we abided all day, and no bird worth the shooting, so to speak, hath come within reach of our bolt. Had I gone forth on an innocent errand, I had met, a dozen stout priests or a score of Percy moneylenders but it is ever thus the dun deer are never so scarce as when one has a grey goose feather nipped betwixt the finger come lads let us pack up and home again say I Accordingly, the others arose, and coming forth from out the thicket, they all turned their toes back again to Sherwood. After they had gone some distance, Will Stutley, who headed the party, suddenly stopped. Hist, quoth he for his ears were as sharp as those of a five-year-old fox. Hark, lads, methinks I hear a sound. At this all stopped and listened with bated breath, albeit for a time they could hear nothing, their ears being duller than Stuckley's. At length they heard a faint, and melancholy sound, like someone in lamentation. Ha, quoth Will Scarlet, this must be looked into. There is someone in distress nigh to us here. I know not, quoth Stutley, shaking his head doubtfully. Our master is ever rash about thrusting his finger into a boiling pot. But, for my part, I see no use in getting ourselves into mischievous coils. Yon is a man's voice, if I mistake not, and a man should be always ready to get himself out of his own pother's. Then out spake Will Scarlet boldly. Now out upon thee to talk in that manner, Stutley. Stay, if thou dost list. I go to see what may be the trouble of this poor creature. Nay, quoth Stutley, thou dost leap so quickly... "'thou'll tumble into the ditch. "'Who said I would not go? "'Come along, say I.' "'Thus saying, he led the way, "'the others following, "'till, after they had gone a short distance, "'they came to a little opening in the woodland. "'Whence a brook, "'after gurgling out from under the tangle?' of overhanging bushes, spread out into a broad and glassy pebbled pool. But the side of this pool, and beneath the branches of a willow, there lay a youth upon his face, weeping aloud, the sound of which had first caught the quick ears of Stutley his golden locks were tangled, his clothes were all awry, and everything about him betokened sorrow and woe. Over his head, from the branches of the Ulster, hung a beautiful harp of polished wood inlaid with gold and silver in fantastic devices. Beside him lay a stout, ashen bow and half a score of fair, smooth arrows. "'Hallow!' shouted Will Stutley when they had come out from the forest into the little open spot. "'Who art thou, fellow, that liest there, killing all the green grass with salt water?' Hearing the voice, the stranger sprang to his feet, and, catching up his bow and fitting a shaft, held himself in readiness for whatever ill might befall him. Truly, said one of the yeomen, when they had seen the young stranger's face, I do know that lad right well, he is a certain minstrel that I have seen hereabouts more than once. It was only a week ago I saw him skipping across the hill like a yearling doe. A fine sight he was then, with a flower at his ear and a cock's plume stuck in his cap. But now, methinks, our cock is shorn of his gay feathers pa cried will Stutley, coming up to the stranger wipe thine eyes man i do hate to see a tall stout fellow so sniveling like a girl of fourteen over a dead tomtit put down thy bow man "'we mean thee no harm.' "'But Will Scarlet, seeing how the stranger, "'who had a young and boyish look, "'was stung by the words that Stutley had spoken, "'came to him and put his hand upon the youth's shoulder. "'Nay, thou art in trouble, poor boy,' said he kindly.' Mind not what these fellows have said. They are rough, but they mean thee well. Mayhap they do not understand a lad like thee. Thou shalt come with us, and perchance we may find a certain one that can aid thee in thy perplexities, whatsoever they may be. Yea, truly, "'Come along,' said Will Stutley gruffly. "'I meant thee no harm, and may mean thee some good. "'Take down thy singing tool from off this fair tree, and away with us.' "'The youth did as he was bidding, and, with bowed head and sorrowful step, accompanied the others.' "'walking beside Will Scarlet. "'So they wended their way through the forest. "'The bright light faded from the sky, "'and a glimmering grey fell over all things. "'From the deep recesses of the forest, "'the strange whispering sounds of nighttime came to the ear. "'All else was silent.' saving only for the rattling of their footsteps amid the crisp, dry leaves of the last winter. At last a ruddy glow shone before them here and there through the trees. A little farther, and they came to the open glade, now bathed in pale moonlight, In the center of the open crackled a great fire, throwing a red glow on all around. At the fire were roasting juicy steaks of venison, pheasant, capons, and fresh fish from the river. All the air was filled with sweet smell of good things cooking. The little band made its way across the glade, many yeomen turning with curious looks and gazing after them, but none speaking or questioning them. So, with Will Scarlet upon one side and Will Stutley upon the other, the stranger came to where Robin Hood sat on a seat of moss, under the greenwood tree with little John standing beside him good evening fair friend said Robin Hood rising as the other drew near and hast thou come to feast with me this day alas I know not said the lad looking around him with dazed eyes for he was bewildered with all that he saw. Truly, I know not whether I be in a dream, said he to himself in a low voice. Nay, Mary," quoth Robin laughing, thou art awake, as thou wilt presently find, for a fine feast is a cooking for thee. Thou art our honoured guest this day. Till the young stranger looked about him as though in a dream. Presently he turned to Robin. Methinks, said he, I know now where I am and what hath befallen me. Art thou the great Robin Hood? Thou hast his the bull's eye... Quoth Robin, clapping him upon the shoulder. "'Men hereabouts do call me by that name. "'Sin thou knowest me, "'thou knowest also that he who feasteth with me "'must pay his reckoning. "'I trust thou hast a full purse with thee, fair stranger.' "'Alas,' said the stranger, "'I have no purse,' "'nor no money either, saving only the half a sixpence, "'the other half of which mine own dear love doth carry in her bosom, "'hung about her neck by a strand of silken thread. "'At this speech a great shout of laughter went up from those around, "'whereat the poor boy looked as he would die of shame.' but Robin Hood turned sharply to Will Stutley, "'Why, how now?' quoth he. "'Is this the guest that thou hast brought us to fill our purse? Methinks thou hast brought back a lean cook to the market?' "'Nay, good master,' answered Will Stuckley, grinning. "'He is no guest of mine.' It was Will Scarlet that brought him hither. Then up spoke Will Scarlet and told how they had found the lad in sorrow, and how he had brought him to Robin, thinking that he might, perchance, aid him in his trouble. Then Robin Hood turned to the youth, and, placing his hand upon the other's shoulder, held him off at arm's length, scanning his face closely. A young face, quoth he in a low voice, half to himself. A kind face, a good face. Tis like a maiden's for purity, and, withal, the fairest that e'er my eyes did see. But... If I may judge fairly by thy looks, grief cometh to youth as well as to old. At these words, spoken so kindly, the poor lad's eyes brimmed up with tears. Nay, nay, said Robin hastily. Cheer up, lad. I warrant thy case is not so bad that it cannot be mended. What? Be thy name. Alana Dale is my name, good master. Alana Dale, repeated Robin, musing. Alana Dale. It doth seem to me that the name is not altogether strange to mine ears. Yea, surely thou art the minstrel of whom we have been hearing lately whose voice so charmeth at all. Doth thou not come from the dale of Rotherstream, over beyond Staveley? Yea, truly, answered Alan, I do come thence. How old art thou, Alan? said Robin. I am but twenty years of age. Methinks thou art over young to be perplexed with trouble, Quoth Robin kindly. Then, turning to the others, he cried, Come, lads, busk ye and get our feast ready. Only thou, Will Scarlet, and thou, Little John, stay here with me. Then, when the others had gone, Each man about his business. Robin turned once more to the youth. Now, lad, said he, tell us thy troubles and speak freely. A flow of words doth ever ease the heart of sorrows. It is like opening the wasteware when the mill dam is overfull. Come, sit thou here beside me and speak at thine ease. Then straightway the youth told the 3 yeomen all that was in his heart. At first it broken words and phrases, then freely and with greater ease when he saw that all listened closely to what he said. So he told them how he had come from York THE SWEET vale OF ROTHER, TRAVELING THE COUNTRY THROUGH AS A MINSTREL, STOPPING NOW AT CASTLE, NOW AT HALL, NOW AT FARMHOUSE, HOW HE HAD SPENT ONE SWEET EVENING IN A CERTAIN BROAD, LOW FARMHOUSE, WHERE HE SANG BEFORE A STOUT FRANKLIN AND A MAIDEN AS PURE AND LOVELY AS THE FIRST SNOWDROP OF SPRING how he had played and sung to her, how sweet Eleanor the Dale had listened to him and had loved him. Then, in a low, sweet voice, scarcely louder than a whisper, he told how he had watched for her and met her now, and then when she went abroad, but was all too afraid in her sweet presence to speak to her, until at last, beside the banks of Rother, he had spoken of his love, and she had whispered that which had made his heartstrings quiver with joy. Then they broke a sixpence between them, and vowed to be true to one another forever. Next he told how her father had discovered what to doing, and had taken her away from him, so that he never saw her again, and his heart was sometimes like to break. How this morning, only one short month and a half from the time that he had seen her last, he had heard, and knew it to be so, that she was to marry old Sir Stepan of Trent two days hence, for Ellen's father thought it would be a grand thing to have his daughter marry so high, albeit she wished it not. Nor was it wonder that a knight should wish to marry his own sweet love, who was the most beautiful maiden in all the world. To all this, the yeoman listened in silence. The clatter of many voices jesting and laughing, sounding around them, and the red light of fire shining on their faces in their eyes. So simple were the poor boy's words, and so deep his sorrow, that even little John felt a certain naughty lump rise in his throat. "'I wonder not,' said Robin, after a moment's silence." that thy true love loved thee, for thou hast surely a silver cross beneath thy tongue, even like good Saint Francis, that could charm the birds of the air by his speech. But the breath of my body burst forth little John, seeking to cover his feelings with angry words. I have a great part of a mind, to go straightway and cudgel the nasty life out of the body of that same vile Sir Stepan. Marry, come up, say I. What a plague. Does an old weason think that tender lassens are to be bought like poules on a market day? Upon him, I, but no matter, only let him look to himself. Then up spoke Will Scarlet. Me it seemeth but ill done for the lass that she should be so quickly changed at others' bidding, more especially when it cometh to marrying of an old man, as old as the same as Sir Stepan. I like it not in her, Alan. Nay. "'said Alan hotly. "'Thou dost wrong her. "'She is as soft and gentle as a stock dove. "'I know her better than anyone in the world. "'She may do her father's bidding, "'but if she marries Sir Stepan, "'her heart will break and she will die. "'My own sweet dear, I...' "'He stopped and shook his head for he could say nothing further. While the others were speaking, Robin Hood had been sunk in thought. Methinks I have a plan might fit thy case, Alan, said he. But tell me first, thinkest thou, lad, that thy true love hath spirit enough to marry thee, were ye together in church, the bands published, and the priest found, even were her father to say nay. I marry would she, cried Alan eagerly. Then, if her father be the man that I take him to be, I will undertake that he shall give you both his blessing, as wedded man and wife, in the place of old Sir Stepan, And upon his wedding morn. But stay, now I bethink me, there is one thing reckoned not upon the priest. Truly, those of the cloth do not love me overmuch, and when it comes to doing as I desire in such a matter, they are as like as not to prove stiff necked. As to the lesser clergy, they fear to me do a favour because of abbot or bishop. Nay, quoth Will Scarlet, laughing, so far as that goeth, I know of a certain friar that, couldst thou but get on the soft side of him, would do thy business even though Pope Joan herself stood forth to ban him. He is known as the Girtle Friar of Fountain Abbey, and dwelleth in Fountain Dale. But, quoth Robin, Fountain Abbey is a good hundred miles from here, and we would help this lad. We have no time to go thither and back before his true love will be married. Nought is to be gained there, Coz. Yea, quoth Will Scarlet, laughing again. But this Fountain Abbey is not so far away as the one of which thou speak, uncle. The Fountain Abbey of which I speak is no such rich and proud place as the other, but a simple little cell, yet with all as cosy a spot as ever stout acronite dwelled within. I know the place well, and can guide thee thither, for, though it is a goodly distance, yet methink a stout pair of legs could carry a man there and back in one day. Then give me thy hand, Alan, cried Robin, and let me tell thee, I swear by the bright hair of St. Defrida, that this time two days hence, Eleanor Dale shall be your wife. I will seek this same friar of Fountain Abbey tomorrow day, and I warrant I will get upon the soft side of him, even if I have to drub one soft. At this Will Scarlet laughed again. Be not too sure of that, good uncle, quoth he. Nevertheless, from what I know of him, I think this kirtle-friar will gladly join two such friar-lovers, more especially there be good eating and drinking afoot thereafter. But now one of the band came to say that the feast was spread upon the grass, so Robin leading the way, the others followed to where the goodly feast was spread. Merry was the meal, jest and story passed freely, and all laughed till the forest rang again. Alan laughed with good rest, for his cheeks were flushed with the hope that Robin Hood had given him. At last, the feast was done and Robin Hood turned to Alan, who sat behind him. Now, Alan, quoth he, so much has been said of thy singing that we would fain have a taste of thy skill ourselves. Canst thou not give us something? Surely, answered Alan readily, for he was no third-rate songster that must be asked again and again but said yes or no at the first bidding. So, taking up his harp, he ran his fingers lightly over the sweetly sounding strings, and all was hushed about the cloth. Then, backing his voice with sweet music on his harp, he sang, May Ellen's Wedding giving an account of how she was beloved by a fair prince who took her to his own home. May Ellen sat beneath the thorn, and in a shower around the blossoms fell at every breeze like snow upon the ground, and in a lime tree near was heard the sweet song of a strange wild bird. O oh, sweet! Sweet, sweet, o oh piercing sweet, o oh lingering sweet the strain, May Ellen's heart within her breast stood still with blissful pain, and so with listening upturned face she sat as dead in that fireplace. place. Come down from out the blossom's bird, come down from out the tree, and on my heart I'll let thee lie, and love thee tenderly. Thus cried May Ellen, soft and low, from whence the hawthorn shed its snow. Down dropped the bird on quivering wing, from out the blossoming tree, and nestled in her snowy breast, my love, my love, cried she. Then straightway home, Mid sun and flower, she bare him to her own sweet bower. The day hath passed to mellow night, the moon floats o'er the lay, and in its solemn, pallid light, a youth stands silently. A youth of beauty strange and rare within May Ellen's bower there. He stood where o'er the pavement cold the glimmering moonbeams lay. May Ellen gazed with widened, scared eyes, nor could she turn away. For, as in mystic dreams we see, a spirit stood he silently. All in a low and breathless voice, Whence comest thou? said she. Art thou the creature of a dream? Or a vision that I see, then soft spake he, as night winds shiver through straining reeds beside the river. I came a bird on feathered wings from distant fairyland, where murmuring waters softly sing upon the golden strand, where sweet trees are for ever green, and there my mother is the queen. Not a sound broke the stillness when Alan Dale had done, but all sat gazing at the handsome singer, for so sweet was his voice and the music that each man sat with bated breath, lest one drop more should come and he should lose it. Then Will Scarlet stretched forth his hand and shook Alan Dale's in token of fellowship as did Little John likewise, and thus the famous Alan Dale became one of Robin Hood's band.